Join us on the Recovery Matters podcast, where we celebrate the power of resilience and explore multiple pathways to recovery. So, another episode of the Recovery Matters podcast. I'm here with Kevin Connolly. Do you want to say hi? Hello. Uh, good to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Are you nervous? A little bit. Good. I've never done anything like this before, so. There you go. You know, a little, when I was nervous, it was always my sponsor would say, that's God shaking the truth out of you. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. You so, know. this is the Recovery Matters podcast. What matters to you about recovery? What's the first thing you want to talk about? Recovery encompasses a lot of different things, whether it be how I am as a father or mm. a boyfriend or, you know, a son, um, you know, how I interact with people at my job. You know, recovery, I think, plays a role in, in, in all of that with keeping me, you know, in, in, in a nicer mood, um, <laughs> not so anxious all the time and, and stressed out. And, you know, I mean, when you're when you're in addiction, it's you're constantly worried about how to feed it. Yeah. You know, so when you don't have to worry about that on a daily basis and an hourly basis, it makes life a lot easier and more enjoyable. Well said. Yeah. So where'd you grow up? All throughout Connecticut, Plainville, Avon, Farmington, West Hartford. Mm -hmm. My parents were divorced, so I did a lot of moving around. If I was to say that I grew up in, if I was to say one place, it would be West Hartford with my yeah. grandma on Rosedale Road. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. How so, about that? Mm -hmm. And what were you like as a kid? Happy for the most part. Um, I think I acted out at times when I got a little older. I was also timid and scared. Hmm. My father wasn't the easiest to deal with. Um, so, you know, that kind of kept me on my toes mm -hmm. a lot. But, you know, my mother balanced that out with, with being a great mom. And, and, you know, I think for the most part, I was, I was manageable. I mean, I know my mom says that was difficult at times and would make her cry occasionally. And, and, and I did have my little outbursts and stuff like that. But, you know, I, di I, didn't start to, I didn't start to have any negative or detrimental behavior until I started to get a little older. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, certain experiences, I think, kind of started to ha cause me to have some anger and resentment, mm -hmm. um, you know, Especially when I looked around as a kid and I saw a lot of my friends and cousins, you know, their parents were together and, you know, they had that solid home life, you know, and home base. And, you know, it's like Monday with mom, Tuesday with dad, Wednesday with mom, Thursday with dad. It was, you know. Uh, what did you love to do as a kid? Like, what type of activities did you love to do? You want to talk about something that I enjoyed in my childhood? I always loved watching my grandmother's cook. Because uh, when I was with my dad when I was young, you know, we were at his parents, and mm -hmm. you know, I was raised a lot by my grandma in West Hartford, so I always used to watch both of them cook. A lot of a lot of food influenced family gatherings, of course. You know, almost entirely. When we were kids, and we loved to do things, and then the, then we'll get to this part about where the alcohol and or drugs kick in. And we tend to forget about what we really liked as kids. And, and uh, I was able to find th things like fishing and wading through swamps and catching turtles. And, you know, I, I love to do that as a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, I, would, I, I have one or two buddies that I would do that with. It wasn't like a whole gang of us or anything. Yeah. Sometimes I'd just be there. Ourselves. We used to have army men, the little green oh, army. Oh, the little green guys? Yeah. I had those. We used to set those I had those. Up. 
I love those things. Uh, yeah, so life is good, even with the simplest things. We have uh, the kids these days have all these like electronic toys. Oh my gosh, my son! Yeah, it's it's and just, all that. And we, it's we're crazy. Happy with action figures yeah. or little green army men. Be happy with a football all day on a Saturday. Oh yeah. Now they need Xbox and and TikTok and all that stuff, which it's fine, but mm-hmm. it's just you know, it's just different. It's foreign to me. If we, had, I always say, if we had that technology available, I would have used that. We were trying to string like cans with a string and, and <laughs> I, I, I do though i do though would prefer the way that you know you 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 know we used to play i used to play tag and you know on friday yeah. nights at eight o'clock at night yeah. you know down the street with all my cousins and you know that that to me is is more growing up than sitting you know and, and scrolling through tiktok and stuff like that texting um, everybody you know, that's why whenever i talk to my son i'm just like make sure you go outside today okay you know let's mm-hmm. get some outside time in which you know he's good about that so mm-hmm. i don't worry but um you know i remember when nintendo came out you know yeah me too so but so what happened in your teens when did you how was alcohol and or drugs part of your life and what happened boarding school kind of threw me off a little bit um it kind of made me feel like i was abandoned yeah. Um, you Good know, for you that you identified that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I remember uh, I, I kind of had to tell myself at the, you know, I still remember the first couple of days I was there. I, I, I got beat up. I was there from 14 to 18. Mm-hmm. Come home for a short time during the summer. Um, coming home during the school year was based on what group level you were classified on depending on your behavior. Mm-hmm. It was one through five. And so if you were just a problem and were always fighting and, and lipping off to faculty, you were more towards group five, which gave you less privileges, which meant you were more, you know, mm-hmm. locked down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then group one, you know, you could go home for two weekends a month if your parents wanted to pick you up. And, you know, you could leave your dorm room you know, certain hours and, and, you know, go to the, where we called the cave, which had like a little snack bar. If you had the privilege and you had money in an account to go there. Um, if you were not in one of the better groups, um, you spent any free time up in what was called the attic. And that was a, at the top of this building, the main building was called Cluett Hall and the top room was all stark white. And you just had rows of desks and there were the desks with the built-in desk to the chair and you just sat there for however many hours you had to kill and you could do work but you couldn't talk there was nothing to look at you know so that sucked i would say you were probably more inclined to the attic than the cave i was (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately just by judging by listening to your story unfortunately um you know i didn't i didn't always I still have an issue with authority sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes my, you know, stupid decision making can get the best of me even mm-hmm. today. And, 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 you know, um, when did you not want to be there when you were there? No, I did not. You would have preferred not to have been there. So what happened when you got out? I, I went on a rampage because <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> I didn't have anybody telling me what to do anymore. So I, describe you know, rampage. Where were you? Um, I spent some time in Hartford. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to Roger Williams for criminal justice. Were you living on your own? Were you no, no, no. I, I went and lived in dorms at Roger Williams. But every mm-hmm. weekend, I almost every weekend, I'd take a Greyhound bus home without telling any family, and I would hang out in Hartford mm-hmm. um, and and do drugs and drink, and and I did that there as well. And I would have been on av- academic probation if I had went back for my sophomore year, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't want to. Um, 
You know, when you go from four years, literally all your entire day is structured. Right. It's like, you know, you go from here to here, from here to here. You know, you had to play a sport every season. So you had something to do after classes were done until cafeteria, dinner mm-hmm. at night. And and so when you go from that and then, you know, I could sleep through a class and I'd be like, nobody's going to come and smack me and, and make me do Changang because I missed class today. Well, I'm not fucking going. Right. Right. <laughs> so um, hmm. I ended up screwing that opportunity up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. When I came home that summer, I did heroin for the first time, and my father found it in my room and ended up kicking me out of the house, and I went down to North Carolina, where I spent 20, 22 years, because my mom had moved down there. Um, so that's what got me down there. Mm-hmm. Um, mom ended up moving back to Connecticut maybe two years after I got there, and, and they left. Um you know, I love you, mom, but I never got an invite to go with them back. So I stayed in Charlotte. I didn't have a place to live. So I lived on sofas and out of my car. And I used to sneak into these townhomes that weren't totally done being constructed. And I would sleep in them and then just wake up before construction crews got there and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, you know, eventually kind of got my feet back on the ground and got an apartment with a buddy and, and started selling cocaine. And was doing more coke than I was selling. Right. And, you know, you know, and, and in between all these times, there was, you know, I would use alcohol and, and mm-hmm. um, that's just kind of how it started. Just, you know, anger took over and, and, like I said, resentment. And I just self-medicated with alcohol and narcotics. Were you um, working at the time? Mm-hmm. I've always worked. Were you a chef at the time or mm-hmm. working in the cooking? I've always cooked. Yeah. It's pretty much the only thing I've ever done. Yeah, I would say that that industry has. Uh, when you're an addict, it's the perfect one to be in. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's, it's it's like an addict's dream. You get paid to go into work and live in chaos and get messed up while you do it. Yeah, like, what could be better than that? I have a few stints as a cook myself, so I, I get that part. I've been doing it in restaurants. Twenty two years now, and you know, mm-hmm. seen a lot of shit. <laughs> so you're working in 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 Charlotte. Uh, yeah. As a, and how? what's the progression like for you? I don't really think there was any progression. I think really? it was just... You were just all the way out from the beginning? Having fun. Like, yeah. just full bore. Mm-hmm. Didn't give a shit. Right. You know, I got an assault charge. I got two DUIs. You know, I you know, had been arrested numerous times. I just still didn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I look back now and, and I'm just like, man... I mean, like some of the things that I did and the decisions I made, I'm just like, what were you thinking? Like, I mean, it just blatantly just did not give a shit about consequences or anything for that matter. I mean, you know, I mean, I usually had a, had alcohol and cocaine on my nightstand. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and when I would get, when the buzz would kick in and I would feel normal, I would go out and I would make sure I, I, I you know, I got what I needed for the day, mm-hmm. feed myself, you know, the addiction. You know, then I'd go to work and cook for six, seven hours. And then, you know, I'd, uh, you know, the, the night was just drugs and hanging out with women and, and, and being stupid. And, mm-hmm. you know, we used to be so dumb. We used to put the top down on my Mustang and just fire shots out of a nine millimeter out of the, out of the, out of the, out of the, <laughs> the convertible of the car because I just really didn't care. Yeah. We'd be driving down a road in Charlotte and just shoot up in the air just for the fuck of it, like, because I was just dumb. Yeah. 
you know, and when you get high and stuff like that, you don't really care. That's for sure. So how did it, where does all this end up, this lifestyle? I, I cleaned myself up for a little while. Um, I started dating a girl. I became very close with her parents. Mm -hmm. They became like parents to me. Um, and, you know, to the point where like her and I broke up and I stayed living with them. They considered me their son and they ended up pushing me to get into culinary school. And I went to culinary school and I actually felt like I was doing something with my life. Uh, and I kind of cleaned my act up. Um, and I met my ex-wife, my son's mother at culinary school. I had a job at a sports bar and she was a bartender and we ended up dating and, and she got pregnant and we got married and my son was born and um, I graduated culinary school and got my first legitimate sous chef job and I did really good for a few years. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a nice condo in Charlotte and South Park um, or in, in, in off South Boulevard, excuse me. Um, you know, I had a good job and, and my son was healthy and beautiful and, and it was like the, you know, it was like the family life that I had always wanted as a kid. I was, I was having, and, and, you know, then her and I grew apart and, you know, the typical money stressed us out and, and then we ended up separating and that's when I went back down a dark road. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have my son every day. I, you know, I, I once again lost, you know, that family structure that I had always so much wanted. Yeah. Um, and so then I kind of said, fuck it again and went down a bad road. How old's your son today? 13. Okay. So this is a little while ago. So you went down another bad road. Yeah. And where did that one end up? <laughs> that ended up me living in a single wide in, in South Carolina. And I was just waking up, smoking, drinking, doing whatever drugs I could get my hands on. You know, I was completely just uh, unhealthy and disgusting, in my opinion. Um, I didn't, wasn't motivated to do anything. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't have a job. And I just kind of hid out in the middle of the country, in the middle of nowhere, and yeah. just, you know. And then one day I woke up and had found out that my, my cousin died of, you know, a, a drug overdose. Whether it was, you know, he knew he was overdosing or not is still a question, but he died of a drug overdose. And oh. I don't know why, but I was kind of like, ah, shit. And then I just packed up my bag and I drove to Connecticut to live with my mom and stepdad when they were, because when they got back up here or when they left Charlotte, they went back to Simsbury mm -hmm. um, where they lived for a while. Now they're down in Atlanta, but I went and stayed with them for a little while and got my shit together. And I was sober for like, I don't know, 80 or 90 days. Mm -hmm. And then I broke and relapsed and packed my car up and went back to Charlotte and just went back to doing dumb shit. Wow. Um, then again, realized that wasn't going to work because I kind of hit rock bottom. I came back up to Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Moved in with my grandma. Didn't get my act together. Just worked as a line cook and lived paycheck to paycheck and drank just about every day. Hidden, locked myself in my room at my grandma's. She's 90 years old. She passed away a few days ago. Um, but she was, what? yeah. Just a few days ago? Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, me. it's, she was ready to go. She lived a long, yeah, amazing, beautiful still. life. She was 95 and, you know, yeah. you know, she was ready to go be with Jesus in heaven and, mm -hmm. and be back with my grandfather. So, you know, she went peacefully. So it was, right. you know, all that we could ask. Um, I appreciate it though. Mm -hmm. um, 
But yeah, so she was old, so she didn't, you know, she just sat in her chair all day. So I had free reign to just be left alone in the house, you know, didn't have to pay rent, you know. Um, so I just went back to feeling sorry for myself and, and being a loser and just working. I'd go to the gym and then, which is kind of stupid. I would drink all night long and all day on my days off, but I'd still go to the gym and work out. It didn't make sense, but. <laughs> um, and then I And then I got kicked out of there for the most part and um went back to charlotte just kind of maintained mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say i wasn't sober but i wasn't i wasn't binging and bendering right um you know i was just kind of going through the motions mm-hmm. um i did spend a lot of time with my son which i think is why i was i was able to stay for the most part you know under control because that did motivate me every day and it and i did f- i find genuine happiness in being with him mm-hmm. um so that that was you know i got a couple of years with him to make up for lost time and 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 to just enjoy being a dad um because i'm very good at it when i'm there mm-hmm. um you know i just haven't always been there because i just don't want my son to see me when i'm when i'm in a bad way um so i'd rather be distant and then you know it, but it's just it's it's been a cycle it's it's you know clean up my act go on a bender sabotage everything lose everything from relationships to family to my job and you know then i would rebuild then sabotage again it's just been this never-ending cycle so i'm hoping that this this is this time is the is the time that you know i'm able to keep where are you in the cycle now i'm sober Mm -hmm. um you know i have a good job i'm trying to repair the damage I did my last bender with my with my ex-girlfriend um, I'm actually gonna go see her after I leave here um, you know I made some you know I relapsed twice when when her and I started dating and you know I, I, I do feel like she's the one that I'm supposed to be with so I am trying my hardest to fix the mistakes I made you know mm-hmm. um, trying to mend relationships trying to you know reconnect with my son um and just kind of make better choices i do i do feel though that at the same time seeing the way i feel when i can help somebody it, it does kind of motivate me and it is a is a is a nice feeling that i've i've never really felt before mm-hmm. um so i i have you know like you know i would like to eventually get into the recovery coaching class and and you know when, when I feel that I'm I'm ready and, and able to, you know, at a point where I can really help somebody and, and, and I'm stable myself. Um, How will you know you're ready? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Is that, I mean, does anybody really know? Is anybody really ever fully ready? I mean, once you're an addict, you always have that possibility of relapsing. Yeah, so that's kind of my point you're 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 ready when it, you're ready right now you get, there's nothing precluding you from helping another individual no, right now no i i i know okay. um i'm I, you know i'm 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 you know my 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 ex who i'm going to see she's you know a diagnosed bipolar and struggles mm-hmm. with manic depression and mm-hmm. um so i'm trying my best right now to kind of be there for her and help her and help her get through when she does get slammed with these manic depressive mm-hmm. you know like like yeah. you know because it really does like ground her she pretty much like just i mean it's like almost give up type stuff so right. um are you ready to make a difference in the lives of others 
If so, then you should consider becoming a recovery coach. Recovery coaches are trained to help people in recovery, seeking recovery, or struggling with addiction. They provide support, guidance, and resources to help people on their recovery journey. CCAR Training is the leading provider of recovery coach training programs. Our programs are designed to teach you the skills and knowledge, what we call the science, while giving you an understanding of your own art needed to be a successful recovery coach. We offer a variety of training options, most offered online. If you're interested in becoming a recovery coach or just learning more, I encourage you to visit our website or contact us today. We would be happy to answer any questions you have and help you get started on your journey to becoming a recovery coach. We hope you'll visit us at www.addictionrecoverytraining.org to learn more. So you talked about this pattern of sabotaging, like you, 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 in your words, if you get a little better, then you sabotage, or things start to improve, and you sabotage. What do you think is behind that? Have you thought about it? Anger. Anger about what? I guess I just blame everybody else, or I, or I, or I did blame. Try to look at it differently now, but I did, you know, blame whether it be blaming family, uh, you know, my parents. The abandoning, for, abandonment thing. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I think, I think as an addict, you, you know, your 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 first response to your behavior is to blame other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I I I think that, uh, you know, especially when 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 you're in currently when you're you're actively in addiction, you're going to blame everybody because mm-hmm. you know you don't make any wrong choices. <laughs> no. y- everything you do is right, and the reason right you're an addict is they're they're all self serving, so they're all right. <laughs> yeah, when you're an addict, it's everybody else's fault, not yours, and right. it's everybody else's reason why you picked up a bottle and not yours. Right. Um, do I think there's other variables that 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 affect why people are addicts? Yes, but I do think that it's it that it. I was asking about you, not other people. True. <laughs> <laughs> have um, you been away? Have you gone to treatment ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've detoxed twelve times now. Twelve times. Have you did, done any inpatient stays or? Um, I did fifteen days at Middlesex mm-hmm. in the psych ward, um, and then I gave Rushford a shot. Um, but it was not what I expected it to be, and I dipped mm-hmm. <laughs> after okay. a day. Right. Um, I had done a seven-day detox a few years back in North Carolina, and then I've done numerous, numerous medical detoxes in the hospital. I mean, I don't know, maybe five or six weeks ago, because I'm I'm early right now when, mm-hmm. when I met Natasha when she came into my hospital room, yeah. that was the last time I detoxed, and that was a hard one because they they had had me in ICU because my blood pressure went up to like 180. Wow. Um, so that was that was a rough one to get through. That was seven days. Mm-hmm. It took me to get you know over that one. Um, but I've been sober since then, and and you know feel healthy. So what did you learn in all those treatment settings about? Uh, addiction and recovery. What have, what have you learned personally? I, I think that obviously those situations and experiences cause you to know that what you're doing is wrong and, and detrimental to you. Did it yeah. ever scare me off from going back to yeah. bendering? No. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. For me, I wouldn't use the term wrong. I do like that you said detrimental to my health. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's not, 
it's not good for your health. Um, like you said, you can make better choices. Um, what do you do to take care of your recovery today? How are you staying sober? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's like a, it's like a day at a time, if not less than, than that at a time for me. Yeah. Um, I try to stay as active here as I can. Here um, being CCAR? Yeah. And what do you do at CCAR? I'll, I'll, I'll come in on my days off in the morning because I work during the day and I'll come in and, and do, you know, the, the all recovery meetings. And, you know, I talk to Natasha, you know, quite often. And Natasha is, just so people that are listening know who she is. She's a recovery recovery coach. And where'd she, where'd, how'd you meet her? And just so we, I know she you, was you the, mentioned it, but I want you to She was the first, she was the first person I met in the hospital from CCAR and, and she kind of, you know, gave me that glimmer of hope. So Natasha is an emergency department recovery coach for CCAR. Yes. And did you request to see one or? No, I did not? not. She just kind of showed up at your I door? just, she walked into the room and I looked up and. <laughs> Which, what did she say to you? Do you remember? I don't remember. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was so, they had me on so many, so much yeah. Valium and, and I was, you know, I was in a rough way. Um, I, I mean, I, I remember her and I connecting. I remember her telling me some of her story and, and. I gave her a big hug and I remember it kind of, I was kind of a little taken back cause I was kind of, well, you know, like she came in here and I don't, she doesn't know me. I don't know her, but she just kind of, you know, just open arms to me, offered me, you know, a way out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, wasn't ready or prepared for that to happen. I just thought I would get detoxed and that'd be sent on my way. And and she kind of, you know, changed things. And, and I ended up coming here, you know, when I, when I got out and got my car and, and her and I've stayed in touch, but she, I, I guess she just kind of gave me like that little, that little push and that little resource to, to save myself. Mm-hmm. Save yourself from what? From going back down that road. Yeah. Because it's not a good one, well, obviously. It, well, you choose it a lot. I do, yeah. <laughs> it's the easier road. <laughs> How about that, right? Yeah. It's the well, fun road. You know what the trick is? Hmm. I think we think that it is the easier road. It's the easier It's easier in the moment. Yeah, when that buzz kicks in. Right. But in the long term, it's actually the more difficult road. Oh, yeah. Which but is you're kind of, not, which, which is the paradox of yeah, but things. you're not you know you're not thinking about that. No, something I'm very good at is I've I've for a lot of my life I don't care about consequences. Ooh. I live in the moment. Yeah. So when me when I'd stop at the liquor store and get that fifth of vodka and get home and and have Netflix, a chaser, and vodka in my room to myself, I didn't have a care in the world. It's fascinating, Kevin, that you're on this. Uh, this kind of like this roller coaster but what i do see is i see a little i see a little spark in you and if i may i just give you a suggestion that 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 um you've indicated hmm. the ability to help somebody else huh. so not only when you come to ccar to one of our recovery community centers to you know go to an all recovery meeting and Figure out ways that you can help others because, you know, you can help others today. Hmm. You have enough self-awareness, enough insight onto your patterns and to what you do and to what 
the possibilities of recovery are, that you're definitely able to help others too. I I, I, share I, that. I, I think so. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, that's something that I that I, I feel like I, I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. You know, what? I mean, you've worked at a, how many kitchens over the years? Over my career, probably 300. Yeah, and so you've seen a lot of different type of people that are probably in various stages of addiction oh, no, and no probably series of, <laughs> oh, I do. Well, some idea, but maybe not, but not your experience particularly. Or in recovery, mm. right? Or even pursuing recovery. Like there might be that guy that doesn't drink or use. Yeah, you, you, know? You, you know, you've got, oh, you've got a lot of those, yeah. Mm-hmm. And but when people are struggling, are you the type to help or to ignore what do you do if somebody asks you for help i would help without question right that's the heart of who you are yeah right i just and I, so I, and you you'll help a lot more people if if you work a program of recovery so you can help people find recovery that's what you choose to do yes yeah hmm. i want to tell you that i believe in you I appreciate that. Thank you. No, I do. Because I didn't hear that a lot as a person growing up. Yeah. And just in our short conversation here, I can tell that, you know, you have this thing. It's almost impulsive, I think. I'm very impulsive. Right. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the first person to tell me so, that. <laughs> I know. So, so what could you do to curb the impulse? You know, there's a comedian, Mark Lundholm. Mm-hmm. And he has this thing about addicts and alcoholics, and it's a whole bit he does. And I think he has a CD titled it. It's called First Thought Wrong. First Thought Wrong. That a lot of times when we're addicted or alcoholic, our first thought is completely wrong. But we do it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to go drink a fifth of Johnny Walker. Yeah. That's a completely wrong thought, but... Working out. Seems like a good idea at the time. Yeah, we'll just go do it. Yeah. What's the second thought behind that, Phil? What would be the second thought? Oh, man, I drink a fifth of Johnny Walker. It would be good for a while. I might have a lot of fun, but what's it going to look like 10 hours from now, 12 hours from now, the next day, the rest of my life? I mean, now I got 35 years of recovery. Kind of like, well, would I just like toss it because of an impulse? Because I've had impulses before, and I was very impulsive. I'm still impulsive on some things. Mm. Just ask my wife about me buying fishing gear. I'm pretty impulsive. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad impulse, though. I mean, well, it can be. It can get a little expensive at times, but anyway. She goes, you got another fishing reel? Well, you know, and what do you do with that? So that's kind of the thing. How do you how do you get past that first thought? You know, that would be a question for you to kind of think about. What if I just hold on to this, let it go, but I don't have to act on it right right now? When the when the when those super impulsive, like when I get yeah. that urge where my, yeah. my brain is just like, you got to get messed up, right? Um, it doesn't happen to the to the level where it's almost I can't withstand it anymore. Yeah. But it but it you know the last relapse I had. Um, it was in. It, it just. I was driving home, and it's. It's like crazy how it works, you know. I've been Tell doing. Me. I would. Do, I was like. I was. A, I was like two days away from hitting three months sober. Yes. And work was good. Me and my girlfriend were doing great. Yeah. You know, our relationship was strong, and and uh, everything was going good. I'm driving home one day, and boom, hit me like a ton of bricks. 
pulled into the liquor store, sat there in the car for like an hour and just battled myself Did in, you? internally to, to go. I'm, it's like one second, I'm like, just go in. It's not a big deal. Nobody will know. And then, then I'm like, no, don't do that. Cause you're about to hit three months, you know, sober. Yeah, like and, two guys on each side. Yeah, of it's, like the, it's like the <laughs> demon and the angel, you know what I mean? Like, and, and then it's, it ends up winning. It ended up winning. And I went in and bought a pint of hundred proof Smirnoff and drank the entire thing in the car. Did, uh, has the angel ever won? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and when you've been in a parking lot and then you've dri driven. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I, I think that's that's such a brilliant synopsis of of what it's like, because like normal people would just not understand. Well, just don't do it. Don't well, go I mean, in there. I and, think it's, it's, and I get it. Like those two guys are we're having a battle. You know, that's, <laughs> people that don't like like I, I don't know, you know, years ago i don't think addiction was viewed the same way it is today yeah i think it's actually i mean there's there's research behind the fact that it's it's your brain yeah. is not doesn't function the same Hijacked as a non-addict or normal brain right. functions right so it it doesn't you know people just saying well just have some self-control well it doesn't work like that mm -hmm. um i mean yeah self-control plays a little bit in it but sometimes when your brain is telling you that it wants that rush of dopamine, eh, I mean, unless yeah. somebody straps you down, good luck. What do you believe spiritually? I have faith. Yeah. Um, I was raised Christian. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't, you know, but then I, I kind of wanted to think for myself and I kind of rejected it. I'm like, you know, Noah's Ark and, and, and all that stuff. That shit can't be real. Um <laughs> And we, uh, <laughs> and so I was just kind of like, you know, and well, I don't know. How do you know it can't be real? That would be my question. I, well, I'm just going by oh, what I, I what I thought a long time ago. No, no, um, no. Who the heck knows, right? You know, a guy getting swallowed by a fish for three days and spit out on a shore. I don't find that to be very realistic. Um, my man Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> but then I, then I, you know, like I, I became... You know, I like to watch documentaries, and mm -hmm. and this might sound stupid or or or, or but I I love astrology and astronomy, not yeah. astrology, astronomy, and and you know the universe and space. Yeah. I think it's just fascinating. Right. And I was kind of like, there is no way that that this just popped out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, so then I was kind of like, all right, maybe I need to you know kind of you know think about this a little bit more. And then you know that's kind of how I kind of how I found my faith. I asked you. That, I asked that question because over the years of of because I also was um, I was back in Pablo Escobar's time in the late '80s. I was doing all his cocaine, um, and that's what brought me to my knees. I held I held my firstborn uh, widely strung out on cocaine in the delivery room, and I said, "I can't go on like this." Like Johnny Depp and Blow. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah, and. Um, um, I've learned to just, uh, when I got into recovery and I didn't know what I was, I didn't have, I believed in God, but I didn't really understand what it was. I, my, my prayer was God help me. That's what I got into recovery with. And I've used that when I've had those impulses, three words, God help me, or maybe it's just help me, you know, to a power greater than I can't understand. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm driving away from the package store or I'm not calling my dealer or whatever it was early on. It was just, help me. Just, I don't know, it was a spiritual, almost mystical type of experience where 
temporarily the urge was abated, you know, and, and you think that, you think that that was God helping you legitimately, or do you think it was just you saying, Hey, I said, God help me. So now I've got to pull away. I don't know. And see, that's why I, that's no, why, I don't know. That's but why I, I struggled but, with but, faith, but it doesn't matter. The point is it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, I, I, well, I, I guess, guess it doesn't I guess, I guess, away. No, but it doesn't matter if, yeah, what it is. Um, but for me, I would say, yeah, it was a power greater than me outside of myself. Because then it's, that's been reinforced over decades of seeking God and trying to find out what that was, that I've seen it manifest in other ways. But that's me personally. It's just a suggestion, too, you know? No, no. Because no. sometimes, like, you know, you got the angel and the demon, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe the God helped me, so, you know, like lightens up one of your characters. It gives them a little more power, you know, like lightens up the angel. So it has a little more power and says, get away, demon. And the next thing you know, you're driving away. <laughs> I don't know. I think for me, <laughs> that that scenario would, would in, 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 for me, I think that, that if I was to say that or something like that, I think it would just be like, okay, well, you know, that would just kind of bring sobriety and making the right choice to the forefront of my mind yeah and then i think that that's what would cause me to then be like okay i'm this is i should should not make this decision to drink and let me just get out of here yeah um do i think that god's actually gonna help your arm move and push the steering wheel and the gas pedal in the other direction absolutely not um have you ever tried it <laughs> what just saying god take my arm right now and, and just drive the car away jesus take the wheel like, <laughs> like carry in the underwood yeah I don't, I don't i don't think that's gonna happen and and um i think that but that's something that i think that's why i struggled and i and i still do now i'm kind of like you know um you know why am i sitting here having to deal with this but at the same time it's you know god gave us free will and right. you know we have to help ourselves well here's a question do you want to stay in recovery or would, of of course you do yeah right now today yeah but not always I always want to be in recovery you do now I do yeah okay I don't want to go back to that life I'm tired yeah my body's tired my so maybe this is a big shift. bank account is tired <laughs> but have you like, felt this way like that before that uh, or did you always have it in the back of your mind like I can just return back down there if I I, I always had this idea that you're going to return to use. Because uh, I, I made that, I made it, I'm, I'm not going to return to use. But then again, I don't know that, but that's my decision today. When I was younger, I felt like I was invisible. Like I would just, you <laughs> that's know. a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, you know, a, a level of arrogance, you know, that's yeah. just not uh, good. Um, I'm just like, ah, you know, I can just keep doing this and, and you know. I'll be sober here and there, but you know, whenever I'm ready to drink again, I'll drink. And but now, now it's like, okay, you know, I'm gonna be 40 next year. Mm -hmm. You know, I I I am going down a path of having some serious health issues if I don't smarten up here. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm gonna end up having nobody. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm gonna end up living in a motel somewhere with some. 30 year old car and no money in my bank account and nobody gives a shit about me. There's just, there's other things that, that, that I have now that I, I feel are motivating me that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want to be a, the best father that I can be. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want my family and friends to be able to rely on me when they need to, instead of me always having to turn to them. Um, you know, I, I, I have a woman that I love dearly and I want to mend our relationship and I want you know, 
to be able to be the best boyfriend I can be for her. And, 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 and I just, I want to be healthy for myself as well, obviously. Um, I, you know, I just don't want to live in that addi- addiction lifestyle anymore. It's tired. I'm, I'm tired. You know what? The way I would, I was just thinking about why you're giving, why you're talking about all the examples of wanting to stay in recovery. For me, it was, it's internal that, uh, recovery allowed me to find peace inside. I didn't have peace. Oh my gosh. I was always full of anxiety, stress, worry, fear, anger, hatred. I don't want to live that way. And now recovery enabled me in a good sense to find inner peace. And it took a while and a process, but that's always been my goal is to be peaceful inside so I could enjoy life. And how do you realize, though, that you're at peace, though? Because not, not a lot bothers me, and I don't worry about anything. <laughs> yeah, see, I can't say the same. <laughs> I don't worry about anything. <laughs> I just live in the moment. It's, it's kind of like what you said about living in the moment, To like, but you just live in the moment, clean, serene, sober, and all of a sudden you find, like, you're serene in a moment, and those moments build in each other. You find peace. You've already done it. You've already found moments of peace. Mm-hmm. You've been more peaceful here and mindful, just living in the moment, just talking with me, mm-hmm. with probably not worrying about what's going to happen after, what's you're going to say to your girlfriend, what's that's going to happen. You're just focusing on the moment. That's the key to it, staying right here in the present. Yeah. You know, one of the funniest, one of the best things I did when I had all these urges, especially for the Coke, when I was early in recovery, was I'll use tomorrow. You know, then I just kept saying to myself over and over, I'll use tomorrow. I gave my... my Interesting. I, well, I gave my permission to use tomorrow. So when tomorrow shows up, what do I say? Permission to use tomorrow. Yeah, I give myself permission to use tomorrow, but I'm not going to use today. I'll use tomorrow because you know what I used to do when I was active? Mm. I'll quit tomorrow. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll just use for today. I can't I can't even count how many times I've done that. <laughs> right. I'll quit tomorrow. Yeah. And I just switched that to saying I'll use tomorrow. I'll sober up tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. I'll get back on track tomorrow. I'll quit tomorrow. And now I'll just say I'll use tomorrow. And it never happened. Right. Or barely. Right. So if we say I'll use tomorrow, we just flip the script in our head. I'll just say I'll use tomorrow. No. But it didn't. It didn't. It didn't affect you negatively to to even have that thought, even though you weren't going to act on it. Having the thought of using, um, you were able to. That didn't. No, because I I think I think one of the common misconceptions is that if we ignore that, it, it won't be there. Because we all know oh, we're all addicts and alcoholics. We all know that we can use anytime we damn want, mm-hmm. and if we choose to, we're going to use. So I, I fully put that out there on the table saying, I say it now. I go to a restaurant and they say, Mr. Valentine, you want a beer? Or, you know, or can I get you a beer for dinner? I said, yeah, one's too many and a hundred's not enough. And they go, what? And they go, huh? I said, I just, no, thank you. you know? So <laughs> I just Kind of catch them off guard a little bit there. Yeah, but I also say that, I also say that, you know, I'll, you know, if I start drinking now, I don't know what will happen. Um, it sounds tempting, looks good. I acknowledge the truth within me, but then I, it gives me the power to say, 
all right, I don't have to choose that now. I have another option. I've never mm -hmm. heard that take on it or that that approach. Yeah, be realistic. I mean, be, do, do, be completely. You be you. I've been completely honest with me. Very aware. Yeah, I mean, could could I leave here today and be like, screw it, and stop at the liquor store and relapse? I mean, of course. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. So by saying that, does that make you like want to do that? No. Right. You're just acknowledging that that's one of your options out of many. Hmm. It's one option out of many. Yeah. yeah. So just you know, which option is going to work best for you now? And if I was your recovery coach and you chose to go to the liquor store and get your Smirnoff or another, I said, okay, so that was your option. How'd that work out for you? And why'd you do that? Well, I'm just curious. After all you've been through, why, well, I'm curious. Why, why would you pick that one? Hmm. Yeah. I mean. And the last time you, last time you relapsed, do you know, do you, and I don't know if why is the right answer, but what were you, right question, what were you feeling when you went? For your last one when you're sitting there why did you what was that so appealing i mean you? after i decided to buy it yeah but what what yeah what what was going on and all that I was what? pissed off see good hand you're well on your way yeah i was mad at myself i know but were, were you mad ahead of time when you before you even were you did you have i was mad anger? when i felt when i felt the the urge for it come in come into thought yeah, so so why did you put an emotion to it? Are you not supposed to have that? Are you pissed that you had it? Well, I mean, why? Well, oh, I that, mean, I think I think emotions are are inevitable. I don't think you can ever get rid of those. Perfect. So, right. I mean, I I think. So if you so you get an urge, if you all of a sudden got an urge to use now, your emotion would be what? With that urge, anger, fear. I think right now maybe not. I think I think my emotion would be like hell no good because it's just you know you know what i what i've lost this last time around on this yeah. last relapse yeah, kind yeah. Of, you know it's almost like a healthy fear right because i get a, like i could think about having the newborn baby and having urges to do cocaine I'm like, man, I, I'm really, that's frightening if I was like, well, I, I don't want to, do, so the urge to use, I would get. I'm terrified of relapsing again. Yeah, good. Because if I do. That's, that's a healthy fear. <laughs> if I do, I've just, I have I have no chance to, well, to get I, my life back. And I, I would tell people, if I relapsed again with like, I was just talking about this, it was, I had uh, my three good friends, Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, <laughs> and Johnny Walker. Yeah. Know, Jim, Jack, and Johnny, and I. I was the type of guy that when I was drinking, I could get a fifth and I would take the cap, take the cap off and throw it out the window. There was, no need, there, there was no need for the cap. Yeah, I wasn't going to get put back on the shelf. <laughs> it's going to go in the trash can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and there was one time 20 years in recovery that I thought that was the best option. And the only thing that saved me is I, for some reason, picked up the phone and talked to like uh, actually the board president of CCAR at the time and he talked me through it but it was uh, it, you know sometimes there are options that become more viable or become the best option in your on your bag in your bag I I'll tell you the story so when I, I through hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2015 mm -hmm. and a lot of people would plan out their meals right they would have like, this is my breakfast, this is my snack, this is my lunch, this is my lunch. And I, I was never like that. You shot I, from the hip? 
Well, yeah, I, and I was talking to my friend Paradox, and I asked her, I said, because she, she didn't do that either, She go, I go, how do you know what to eat every, you know, when it's time to eat? She goes, that's easy, right click. I said, it's easy? She goes, yeah, I always eat the best thing in my bag because of, then I'm always eating the best thing in my bag. That's, that's a cool way to look at it. Right, so if you like go to your refrigerator, yeah. what do you want to eat, Kevin? <laughs> and you're always saying, I'm gonna eat the best thing in my refrigerator. You're always eating the best thing in your refrigerator. Even if you're left with like a can of Spam and a packet of mustard, yeah. which one is the best thing in your refrigerator? I'm still eating it. So it's a perspective, but it goes to your options, right? That in your bag of choices, your food bag of choices, you have many options of which always, always picking up and using is in your bag. You always have that option, but you also have a lot of other options. And then if you're always gonna say, what's the best option in your bag, then pick the best option in your bag, period. Because I, I think too, um, are there, could you paint a scenario where using might be the best option? Yeah, I'm open to that. Like let's say, you know, you, you had uh, somebody close to you passed away, you're in a lot of physical pain, you were just, I don't know. I mean, I've had a lot of people talk about death or you know, of something and the pain was so great, they thought that using would relieve the pain for a little while, okay? I still wouldn't consider it the best option. Right, with but where I'm at right but now, but I'm just trying to paint know. a scenario where there could be right. Yeah, and and in your mind you might think it is like I was under a lot of emotional stress and turmoil. I thought using was the best option, but then I was pointed out that well, digging your bag a little further, you got a couple other options, you know, too, right? Mm. And uh, didn't pick that one up. So you know, it's kind of like you're a chef. You know, um, when you're working, you probably can eat anything you want, right? More than, more or less as part of the perk of working there. Yeah, so it's a nice... So are you gonna, are you, are you gonna pick something you hate eating, you don't like? Absolutely not. You're gonna pick <laughs> the best thing that you that you want at the time, right? Yeah, of course. Same goes for recovery choices. Always pick the best thing. Mm. I like that. Good. But you have a lot, so, and the other thing is a lot of times we look as rec recovery as like consecutive, right? That these are the number of days I've put in. Mm. Like, okay, so I said I have 35 years. That's 35 years of continuous recovery, right? You have, how how, how long do you think you, are, have you been, would you say you're in recovery this time? 10? Six weeks. Six weeks, cool. So let's do six weeks. So you have six weeks of consecutive recovery. You know, all those times where you had all those different days, those don't go away when you're in recovery. What if recovery was cumulative? You know, what if like, you know, you had 10 times you were clean for 10 days. Is that 10 days of recovery, the last stretch, or is it 100 days total? I'd have a few years under my belt then. Well, right, but do you think they went away? No. They, they, they're informing your decisions today, right? I, I was once in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and uh, a guy would introduce himself. He said, I, I have 10 years in recovery except for three days. 
<laughs> so you didn't know when the three days were. You didn't know if they were like scattered in the ten years or the last three days. But it was I like that. That's funny. But it's an interesting perspective, right? Yeah. Because we've been brain not brainwashed, but the culture says that we want to be consecutive, and yeah, there's reasons for that. Start over, yeah. Much. But do you? Does it, does that really make sense? So if you had twenty years of recovery, you relapsed for a day, got back in recovery. Did the twenty years go away? I, th- I think I think it's also though like like people like test themselves and maybe or or they say okay you know I've been sober for two months I can keep going without having a mishap or a slip mm-hmm. I think it's more like a you know like a, are you able to stay away from it mm-hmm. consecutively as well I think oh, that's people pride knowing that hey I've been sober two months oh, or I've been I sober two years without one slip or mistake I agree you know I think it motivates you a little bit more yeah. It's also not that it's not. Yeah, I I, I kind of like you know you get on a streak right. It's momentum. I'm like on a 35 year one day at a time streak. Why would I? I don't want to break it. It's, there's no some pride. That would be heartbreaking. It. Well, there's some bre- there's some pride to that too. Like yeah. it's an accomplishment. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I certainly wouldn't. I wouldn't shame or belittle anybody because they relapsed. And sometimes in fellowship circles or recovery, we. We get ostracized if we go back out or whatever, you know. So yeah, no, uh, I agree. Yeah, so I just think it's more. It's 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 just an alternative. I do I do think for me, consecutive works better. I don't want to like say, okay, I got six days this week. I'm going to stay in recovery, and on the seventh day, I'm going to go party. Yeah, <laughs> you know, five days wouldn't. next week, and that probably wouldn't work too well. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> for me, I'm just talking about me. I don't know. It might work for somebody, but it would work for me. It not work for me. Yeah, yeah. So I enjoyed our conversation. Do you got any final thoughts you'd like to add or share about well, what are you going to do for your recovery today? That's my last question for you. I'm going to try to help my ex-girlfriend get through her depression for the day and, mm-hmm. and try to make her smile and I'm going to talk <laughs> to my son and you know, I'm going to cook dinner for my mother and my aunt tonight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that'll keep me, you know, I'll mm-hmm. go shopping at Whole Foods and, and, you know, I just keep myself busy. You know, knowing that I'll that I'll be cooking tonight and, and entertaining my, my aunt and my mom with, with food and stuff like that, nice. it, it, it makes in my mind know that I'm not just going to be sitting in bed where I could be like, all right, I'm bored. I Let me drink right now. You know what, what you're doing and what we've talked about. Yeah. You're helping somebody else. Yeah, I'm trying. And you, and you like that. Yeah. Yeah, so good for you. It's gratifying. And I you, Kevin. Thank you so much. I appreciate much for, it. Thank uh, you for having me. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Recovery Matters Podcast, brought to you by the Connecticut Community for Addiction Recovery. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Recovery Matters Podcast for more content. You can watch this podcast in video form on our YouTube page, CCAR, the number four recovery and if you have any questions or comments please feel free to send us an email at recoverymatterspodcast at gmail.com we'd also love it if you could take a moment to rate our podcast your ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners and spread the word about our show thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time